the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another live Cinematic Universe news minisode. Uh, and just to emphasize the live nature of it, literally just as I was about to hit the go live button, uh, James uh, noted that he couldn't hear me. Um, so I'm hoping, <laughs> assuming that those of you watching uh, can indeed hear me and that it was from the James' headphones rather than my microphone. Uh, but we'll see how we yeah, get Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, you can hear me now. So, uh, so welcome. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you're watching live, uh, and if you're also uh, thanks for downloading. If you're listening to the podcast, or indeed if you're watching on YouTube afterwards, so many different ways to to watch these now. Uh, we haven't done a news episode since I think it was around the middle of May. We last caught up on news, so there have been a few things that have happened. Uh, we're going to do our, our <laughs> upwards of two things. Run through upwards of two things. No, there is there are some things. There are some trailers. There's there's one comic adjacent <laughs> thing that. I'm going to give us the excuse to, to talk about. So, uh, but we have uh, some quite major comic book superhero news that is unavoidable to talk about uh, that we'll, we'll have to get out of the way first. So uh, we'll get on with that. Um, hello to everyone on YouTube who's already left comments saying they're listening. Hello, Terence, Neil, Andy, Michael, Pete, Nick, Stephen, uh, and Terence again. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that was just because he popped up again at the end and I'd already said his name and I was on a roll. Um, let's crack on then with our first story, shall we? Um, and uh, don't forget, as ever, by the way, if you are on the comments, uh, feel free to chuck in your comments with uh, uh, on, on these stories as we go along. Um, and I'm sure everyone will have something to say about hashtag release. Uh, it's coming to HBO Max in 2021. <laughs> that thing that we all said didn't exist, that is now being made to exist, uh, and apparently, according to some people on the internet, this is proof that it already existed. Uh, creating I was going to say. Proof that it, that it existed previously and that they were right all along. Yeah. The fact that a Snyder Cut is about to come out does not mean that it always existed. No. It means that it may exist shortly. The fact that they're releasing it like next year or something. When and was they're it? spending $30 million or so on producing it. Now... To be fair, where I'll hold my hands up is I was always operating on the assumption that so little had been shot um, that you, you know, that it wouldn't be possible to to kind of to put out all of the stuff that they're talking about. You know, I I didn't understand or believe that there was a you know any kind of footage of, for example, Dark Side or things like that. 
Um, so this idea that there was this mythical version of the film where all all that the Joss Whedon version had done had been to cut out a load of stuff that had uh, that had been shot and then add a load of new stuff. Um, I think it seems like the reality is somewhere in between. There there does exist material that hasn't been used. Um, but a lot will need to be done in terms of effects work and from the sound of it, ADR with the actors and things like that. <laughs> uh, whether they're going to have another go at the moustache or not, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, the long and short of it is, and if you've somehow missed this news, because I realised we had, you know, barely actually said the words since it started, since we started. Uh, but as it's now being called, Zack Snyder's Justice League is going to be released <laughs> on HBO Max in 2021. I do like that in the marketing, you know, Warners haven't called it the Snyder Cut. And again, because it isn't the Snyder Cut, it is it is a new thing that is being created. Um, I've kind of got mixed feelings on this as an actual, you know, in terms of my reaction to this happening. It's actually not completely negative, uh, but... Other than a big sigh, what was your reaction, James, when this was announced? In Okay, so in fairness, just as a film nerd and as a superhero nerd, the opportunity to see a different filmmaker's alternate cut of the Justice League movie, I mean, that, that doesn't seem like such a bad thing. Like, if mm. nothing else, it will be academically interesting. Yeah. Because we'll have the Whedon version to compare it to, and we can say, like, you know, this is perhaps closer to where it was going. This is what happens if you swap a film's director sort of mid mm. mid process. You know, it won't be it won't be um, the cut that would have been in cinemas, but it mm. will be a cut by the original director, and I find that interesting in itself. Yeah, I would be it's... more interested if it wasn't Zack Snyder and. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you, know, you, you can't you have know. it all. You only have to look at something like, you know, the, the Donner cut, the Richard Donner cut of Superman is academically right, exactly, interesting. Right. It's in some ways it is artistically a failure. And it's partly because, you know, in some instances they don't have the right footage to use. In other instances, it's because um, it has to fudge the narrative and it doesn't work as a sequel to Superman 1 when it has the same ending <laughs> as, as Superman 1. Uh, but it is interesting as a thing. It's, you know, it's not the version that we would have had if Richard Donner had stayed on. But it is interesting to see material that we hadn't seen and scenes in a different order and more of Gene Hackman and, and all of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And this is this is the same. I mean, you know, Justice League is, you know, artistically, it is a failure of a film, but it's a fascinating failure. And seeing more of an alternate version only adds to the interesting nature of being able to pick apart why the whole thing fell. Because I'm going to assume, and I know this is partly like... Everyone knows I'm not a Zack Snyder fan, as if that's a massive surprise. But I don't expect this version to be better, or at least not significantly better than the Joss Whedon version. I think we're going to end up, and actually, I will just sort of flag up a comment here from Stephen. Is this going to be like the two Exorcist prequels where both versions are terrible? Yeah, I think <laughs> it's very likely that both versions are terrible. But the existence of both versions inherently makes the story more interesting than if they didn't exist so in that sense as you say from the film nerd sense it's purely interesting even from the dc nerd sense and i mean you know i'm not a, an online dc movies fanboy but i am a dc comics reader and i'm i'm interested in the prospect of seeing things and by things i do largely mean dark side brought to the screen that we haven't seen brought to the screen before yeah, unfortunately definitely. 
it is, you know, and again, I think do think it's really interesting that Warner's, you know, while while obviously he himself has, Warner's haven't used the phrase Snyder Cut in the marketing because the toxicity around that and around the campaign is, you know, more so than this thing. But if it if you didn't have the toxicity of the campaign and it was just it's Zack Snyder's version. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be excited for Zack Snyder's film because I'm not a fan of his, but I would get that for a lot of people that was exciting and, and it's a cool thing to see happen. It's because of the way people have been over the last couple of years about it. And it is, and as much as, as you know, so and I'm sure there are plenty of people who've talked about wanting to see it in a completely, um, you know, kind of not innocence, not the right word, but you know, in, in a sincere way and in a way that hasn't yeah, involved yeah. like harassment of people on the internet. So I'm not tarring every single DC EU fan with this brush in the slightest, but <laughs> there is undoubtedly an element of that online campaign who have done nothing short of wine and gripe and be deeply unpleasant for the last couple of years. Um, you know, and and it feels like they've they've ground it down and and have won in that sense. Now, I mean, again, it's like from Warner's point of view, if they see this as a commercial, a commercially viable thing, if they're going to think they're going to make more than thirty million dollars by doing it, you know, they've obviously. Um, I, I don't blame them for responding to that. Uh, you know, Neil comments here as well. It feels like the baddies of one. <laughs> it's like, and it does to an extent. And because again, like I, I don't think Zack Snyder himself has come across as particularly, um, again, what's the word? Sort of, he's just not been very magnanimous about it. <laughs> magnanimous uh, is the word I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, I can understand him feeling like upset about how the film came out and i can totally understand him not wanting to watch the version um that came out equally you know <laughs> i also don't want to watch the version that came out well, <laughs> but you know he stepped off the film for you know entirely valid and understandable reasons and i have you know i have every sympathy in, and so and no just criticism. quickly yeah in fairness do you think he stepped off entirely voluntarily or was that a partially true situation where warner basically went we don't want your version of the film. We think you've fucked it up. Here I mean, is a way you can gracefully leave. If that's the case, then actually I'm... Because that's kind of, what it seems like to me. If that's the case, I'm more inclined to think he doesn't need to be magnanimous about it, to be <laughs> honest. If the, if the official story is true, which is, you know, that he stepped off to deal with, you know, an, an absolutely awful family tragedy... You know, I don't think any I don't think anyone in that situation can be blamed for what happened. He can't be blamed for stepping off. Warners can't be blamed for completing the film. Um, you know, he might have issues with how they chose to complete it. But at the end of the day, you know, they're left to make a film how they want to make it. Um, so in that sense, you know, I think the decent thing to do will be to say, um, you know, I, I respect what was done with it, even if it's not what I would have done. But here's your chance to see what I would have done. But he has, I, I do feel like he has very heavily stoked the the us versus them this and made this into kind of a war where it doesn't need to be one. And I would much rather be sitting here, you know, getting excited in all the ways that we talked about as this is this is interesting. This is something that we haven't seen in this era of comic book and superhero movies before. We haven't seen this happen. We're seeing it happen in real time. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of why we're uneasy. That's why it, you know, the reaction to the news is a big groan and a sigh, and it's just, you know, 
yeah, social media in the kind of immediate aftermath of it. I mean, admittedly, you know, not kind of people who like we would tend to follow, but just the kind of the overwhelming. Um, I mean, to be fair, since then, I haven't seen a huge amount of crowing from the people who've won. So maybe they'll just gracefully get their release <laughs> of it. And, you know, yeah. But, and, and the other thing is, as well, I mean, it's kind of it's it's critic proof. There is no it is it's going to be impossible to objectively <laughs> state your opinion on it because everyone's already decided what they think of it and and no one is going to have their their view changed i'm uh, i'm looking forward to the Zack snyder fans who have been asking for this film and then don't like it when it comes out they, they won't exist there is nobody they who, definitely because, there will be some i don't think there will because i think so much of this these fandoms are about kind of sinking your entire identity into something you know um these are these are people who think Jared Leto's Joker was good. Like these these are people who now because that's been the other hilarious thing of this is like David Ayer popping up his head going oh yeah. hello remember me and it's like just as you know we've had again sort of and I think he obviously feels slighted by what's happened with James Gunn being given Suicide Squad and Kathy Yan being given uh, Birds of Prey and you know obviously we don't know what James Gunn's Suicide Squad is going to be like but certainly for me and and I think a lot of people Birds of Prey ended up being far more what we wanted to see out of a movie with Harley Quinn in it and a, and a movie with a, with a lot of those characters yeah. uh, so just the fact but it's just like I know that he will have his fans but I think for the, I think you know the people who want to see a different version of Suicide Squad are not fans of David Ayer who want to see a like kind of his vision. They are fans of Jared Leto who want to see more of Jared Leto as the Joker. That's literally all yeah. they're about. And that's the only way in which he's going to get a swell of support for an ultimate cut of Suicide Squad. But it's like, I know it was, you know, he says it was kind of chopped and edited kind of without him, but it's not the same situation as what happened with Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon. It is still fundamentally no. film with his name on it, you know? Yeah. I mean, wait and see how Justice League does. Yeah, if and Justice League, I mean, if, if this if it ends up if being the... a license to print money, then they'll go back and do it for yeah. Exact side, this Justice League does that well. Mm. You know, we'll see. I mean, like I say, for purely academic reasons, I would be interested in seeing a recut of any bad movie, but Suicide Squad included. Um, I, I don't think there's a way. I mean, you can't do a recut of Suicide Squad that completely replaces the villain. <laughs> you know, I think I think no. Suicide Squad has. I think there are ways that you can improve Suicide. Yeah, Squad. you could do a version of Suicide Squad that made sense. Yeah, but you can't. You fundamentally can't fix the biggest problems with Suicide Squad. I don't think. Yeah. Um, Nick, uh, Nick, various things asks: Would you be more interested in seeing the assembly cut of Justice League as it was at the point when Snyder left, or this completed version? Um, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so assembly cuts, assembly cuts always interest me mm. because I like knowing about the process of, of making a film and like what gets left out. Mm. Like whenever anyone says like, oh, you know, we shot five hours of footage for this movie. I'm always like, yeah, but what was that footage? What, you know, mm. what were the, what were the bits you decided to leave? What yeah. did you decide to keep? Like figuring out how a film organically grows out of all that material you've got is really cool. Like, I would love to see that. Um, mm. Equally, if they're going to do a new version of the film and say, well, this is the director's vision or this is how the director would have completed it or has completed it now, like, I'm I'm happy with that. I don't think either version is easy easier to say, like, I would rather see that. Mm. Yeah, I, think I would happily see either and ideally both. But. Mm. 
Yeah, and this, I mean, this this is the, the frustrating thing. We can't sit here as people who, you know, thought Justice League was a was a bad movie. And by the way, let I just want to say again for the record, Batman v Superman. I I know for a fact that I like Batman v Superman more than a quite significant number of people. Like I yeah, wouldn't say I'm yeah. I'm in like the you know the top fifty. But I, I reckon I like Batman v Superman more than maybe about thirty percent of people. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I, I find Batman v Superman a far more interesting failure than than I do. I think the problem with Justice League was that it just wasn't interesting you know, enough as a failure the way that Batman v Superman. I I actually um, did rewatch Justice League a couple of weeks ago. Just I stuck it on in the background while I was after doing it. After you said you wouldn't do it for a watch along. <laughs> nah, watch along is different. No, it's different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just because it was on Netflix, and yeah. there were bits where I was like, "This is so Joss Whedon-y, but also I quite like it. Mm. Um, no, I mean, I also not... I did skip the entire final act. I was like, yeah, not interested. <laughs> I mean, I think that final act does a lot to. I mean, apart from like a couple of like you know Superman based moments for me, um, it's like yeah, it's. I think that probably colours a lot, and I think as well, there's so much going on in like the first half of the film that that particularly when you watch it again, you know, is not going to get paid off. You know, it's like you could cut Cyborg out of the movie entirely and. Uh, <laughs> like wouldn't have that much effect on it but that's, yeah that's not to say there isn't good stuff in it and there is it's not to say that some of that stuff doesn't come from snyder either but the point is yeah you know even as people who are you know, not fans of that movie not fans of Zack snyder generally we can't sit here and be all kind of snobby and above it and say we're not going to watch it when this is out now there is the question and, and louis asks us this as well will it be viewable in the uk no idea because I don't know. I mean, they'll find a way to get it eventually. Out yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's you know, it, I mean, we haven't got DC Universe, we haven't got HBO Max, um, but they will find a way to get that released in the UK, even if it's not on a digital platform. They'll sell a flipping Blu-ray. Um, so, um, I would yeah. bet. I would bet it comes out on like Amazon or Sky Atlantic or something. Yeah, you know? no, there'll, there'll be a way to see it, and and we will watch it and we will cover it because it will be interesting, and you know. And again, this this always sounds like a bit of a sop when I say it, but I will always say that I would like nothing more than to be surprised and to like something. Like I, you know, I don't go in wanting, even if I go in expecting to hate something, I don't go in wanting to hate. And those times when actually something does quite surprise you, I think are often really good. I don't really think this will do that, but I think there'll, there'll be stuff to talk about, you know. I'm um, interested. I'll tell you what I'm interested in is seeing more of Ezra Miller as Flash, because mm. he was great. So any any additional footage of that, I'm looking forward to. <laughs> any more footage of uh, of um, Aquaman going, my man. As well. <laughs> Joe will be happy with that. <laughs> um, just to, before we do move on from this, because a couple of people mentioned him, uh, my, Michael asked, uh, well, says, you know, Cavill gets to play Superman one more time. And, and Andy asked the question of, can they get the likes of Cavill and Affleck back for ADR? Um, weirdly, given the, the way that the circumstances were left a couple of years ago, uh, I think Cavill is more likely than Affleck nowadays <laughs> from the sound of it. You know, back, back after Justice League came out, Affleck was the one who was signed on for another film and, and Cavill was the one who wasn't. Now Affleck is pretty much out of the picture and I, and I think in a more general sense, you know. Well, something something we've noted is that all of the actors seem pretty on board with Zack Snyder. Like, whatever you think about him as a filmmaker mm. and whatever his public persona is like, his his actors all seem to have been pretty loyal to him. So mm. and yeah, and then some you know a lot of them have posted about this on social media. You know, even yeah. before the release was announced. You know, kind of just when it was 
a concept. Um, and there are, there are reports slash rumours slash whatever you want to call them that Henry Cavill could actually be in negotiations to come back as Superman. He he doesn't seem to consider that his time as Superman is over. Whether that is just doing a bit of ADR or whether that is appearing in a Shazam or a Black Adam future film or whatever, but it does seem to potentially be on the table that, that Henry Cavill could be back, which I've got no objection to. I, I like him as Superman. I'd, I'd like to see the character done a bit better, but I'm, you know, I'm not unhappy with with kind of him as Superman. So, um, but yeah, so it's <laughs> it is a thing. It has been uh, again, as as Andy says, hashtag create the Snyder Cut. It's it is going to be created. It is it is, and I I will I you know I will not back down in that argument of everyone who was saying this is a thing that secretly exists and that's being kept, you know, that's been suppressed and and, and kept down by Warners, uh, they are not right. And I think, you know, um, I think those people who have sort of been quite critical of Warners for kind of, again, for that kind of alleged suppression of Snyder's version, the weight that they have thrown behind promoting this as Zack Snyder's in big letters Justice League. Now again, if that's seen the way the wind's blowing, then it's seen the way the wind's blowing. But you you can't accuse them of not throwing a lot of hype behind this. You know, before it's even been done, they've thrown a lot of hype behind it. So we'll wait and see. Um, so that will come in 2021. I mean, you know, and anything that we talk about in terms of future news comes with, you know, the caveat of <laughs> assuming that things um, <laughs> don't get even worse than they currently are. But um, something again is hopefully coming along soon. Uh, I, I think think still scheduled for August, or whether whether that's going to be an August theatrical release, or whether it's going to come along later. The uh, the poster and teaser that came out today did say summer, kind of more vaguely. Uh, but we have been treated to the first teaser trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music. And don't start. For those of you who, <laughs> who don't see this as relevant to this podcast, I'm just I'm holding up my copy of the Evan Dawkins Bill and Ted <laughs> comics um, that that were originally published by Marvel, although this this collection is published by Boom because Marvel long since gave up the rights. Uh, but in which Evan Dawkins did a fantastic adaptation of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and then a series of about twelve issues after that that pick up the story and follow on directly from the events of Bogus Journey, and they are fantastic. There have been other Bill and Ted comics as well in, in more recent years, uh, I think done by either Boom or IDW, uh, but that's how I'm counting Bill and Ted as comics adjacent. And also because I want an excuse to talk about Bill and Ted, because I am so unbelievably excited about Bill and Ted Face the Music. I've been waiting so long for this trailer. Um, I was absolutely thrilled and a bit emotional by it, um, James is here to, to pour a big old bucket of piss water all over my head. So, uh, James, tell us all what you thought of the Bill and Ted Face the Music trailer. I don't know. I just thought it wasn't a very good trailer. And I, I sort of, seeing them all old and decrepit made me feel sad rather than But we've seen pictures happy. of them for ages. And also, they yeah, don't look but... old and decrepit. They look a bit older. But, like, you know, Keanu Reeves is Keanu Reeves. His voice has gone a bit deeper. Alex Winter looks and sounds exactly the same as he did 25 plus I'm doing about exactly the same i don't know i don't like Closer the thing is <laughs> that i i was pretty hyped for it and then watching the trailer made me go a bit like ah oh, they just you know it's just reminded me how they have lost their youthful vigor which like i get is sort of the point of the film but exactly. i i just think i'm having seen jane Silent Bob reboot i'm not convinced <laughs> that the film will be good enough 
to make me forget that the youthful versions of those characters are the definitive ones. That's what worries I mean, me. I, I, I really don't think you can hold, uh, like, Kevin Smith responsible for, for Bill and Ted, really. But it, it was so... It's <laughs> the, the feeling of this trailer is so similar. It's like, hey, it's those cool guys you loved, but they're sort of old and slow now. I don't know, yeah. because, because I, 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 just, I mean, it, you know, it is, it's baked into the premise of this. And, you know, obviously you might not see that as a, as a positive thing. But, you know, this is the idea that they've had for the third Bill and Ted film. And they've had this idea for so long. You know, this has been the script that Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon have been trying to make for years and years. And the only reason that they haven't is because they've had to untangle the rights because while they created it, they don't own the rights, MGM own the rights. So what, what they've had mm-hmm. to spend about the last 10 years doing is persuading MGM that it's worth spending the money on. You know, they've had every... Dean Pariso has been on board as director for about eight years, you know. Yeah, Winter yeah. and Reeves have always been on board. So, so I see this very much as a... You know, this isn't a sort of oh, let's let's go and look. What can we dig up? You know, it's it's it doesn't look to me like a Dumb and Dumber two or or that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, uh, it is a it's it's the third film that they've always wanted to do, and that premise is you know, Bill and Ted's bogus journey ends on this note of they've done it, they've achieved what they were predicted to achieve, and then it's yeah, but what if you know you've still got to do the work after that, and what if they never actually do that? And it's that thing of you know. You're, you're 20 years down the line and you knew you were supposed to do this thing 20 years ago and all of a sudden you've blinked and those 20 years have passed and you haven't done it. And now what do you do? And I, I like that as a premise. I think it is a good way to do a film about an older version of Bill and Ted rather than just it's 20 odd years later and they're still bobbing around in a phone booth having time travel adventures with their mates all the time. Um, obviously what you don't see a lot of in the trailer, but that I think is going to be the um, the real sort of selling point of the film um, is is Billy and Thea, their daughters. And I think, I think this trailer is deliberately holding them back because I think this mm-hmm. trailer is about audience familiarity and, and Bill and Ted. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think there's going to be quite a lot of the film that is about the daughters. And I think that's, I mean, again, it is another giant silent of reboot comparison. I, I can see why you're thinking that. It's not a reason for me to say, oh, it's going to be totally different from Jay and Bob Reboot because it's about their daughters. Uh, but nevertheless, like I do think that's going to be a potentially interesting hook. I think the casting for those two looks great. Um, I like the idea that from the look of it, Bill's daughter is a bit like Ted and Ted's daughter is a bit like Bill. You know, it's sort of... Uh, <laughs> Which raises questions about their parentage. <laughs> no, I think it's just more. I just I like the idea that that each one thinks that they're that, you know I, you know whether this is actually the case, but it seems to me like each one thinks that their own dad is lame, but that the other one's dad is quite cool. Like that's that's quite nice as a little you know. Yeah, um, I mean, I I don't disagree with any of this. Like, it sounds like a good film, and it sounds like a good idea. It's just actually seeing the trailer maybe mm. go mm. i think that's the thing i think you know there's there's a difference between the attitude going in and then the the reaction to the trailer as we came out of the trailer and i just came out of the trailer going great that's got jokes in it that made me laugh it looks right the characters look right the phone booth looks right it's got death in it which we did know but it's still fantastic to see him um you know again as michael points out having the orion logo at the start that was a <laughs> You know, I think a lot of people got a shiver down the the Orion logo pops up at the start. Um, and yes, uh, various things point out that uh, Bill and Ted Day, which was the daily with the trainer in the poster, in American format is the sixth of the ninth. It was it's sixty nine dudes. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. <coughs> Sorry, uh, 
should should be elbow coughing there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I just my, my reaction to the trailer was it, it you know I, I liked the joke of as obvious a joke as it is they're they're in the future talking to the people from the future again and all they can think to say is the thing that got a brilliant reception last time they were there and this time it gets completely blank looks because now they're looked upon as complete failures um you know i mean perhaps it's because i haven't watched the films in a good 15 20 years Mm. it didn't it didn't twig that they said exactly the same thing they said last yeah time. they do that's that that's the point yeah yeah, that, yeah i get it now yeah, you've said that they, but when i was watching whole, that scene i was just like yeah okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. um oh i just oh it just gave me a warm fuzzy feeling i mean, i liked the joke about them playing to 40 people who were only there for two dollar state night or whatever it was. especially seeing as the shot of the landscape it appeared that they're playing in sandy shores in grand theft auto 5 <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm happy you're happy <laughs> I'm 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 glad that you're. And happy I will still that. see the film. <laughs> um, my expectations are lowered by this trailer. <laughs> I'm interested to know if pe- people in the comments want to. I mean, we'll probably have moved on from the discussion by the time they they appear in my feed. But uh, I'd like to know other people's reaction to this because I thought it looked great. I mean, there were tons of like little Easter eggs and nods as well. There was. Um, on the there's a scene where there's a load of guitars on the wall behind them, and you can see the guitars that they get given by Rufus at the end of Excellent Adventure. Um, there's a scene where they're playing, which I would probably assume is from quite late in the film, and in the background appears to. I mean, we know that Ted's dad is in the film. We know that Hal Landon is appearing, but it appears to be Ted's dad playing uh, a clarinet or a cor anglais or something, some kind of instrument in the background. So I liked that as a little. A little yeah, uh, they've got Dante and Randall back. They've got Ben Affleck turning up for a cameo. <laughs> yeah, Alanis Morissette's going to come have a wave. Okay, it could be Jay and Silent Bob reboot, but it could be <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> could it? Yes. Um, without Will Ferrell, um, I just, I just, I, it, it, it did what I wanted uh, the first kind of teaser slash trailer to do, which is to say to me. Uh, this is the new Bill and Ted film. This looks and feels and sounds and and is Bill and Ted, and it and it did that. Uh, and Louis agrees with me. Says really enjoyed it. More excited for the film now. So that's two one to the to the pro Bill <laughs> Ted camp. <laughs> it's not it's not a competition. I will remind <laughs> you, I had exactly the same reaction to the Spider Verse trailer, and I like the film. There you go. Doesn't make uh, me wrong. <laughs> it does make you wrong. I'm not. I... <laughs> It's not a question of right and wrong. We're wrong. <laughs> I'm describing my genuine reactions. I mean, I'm, I, it's funny because I, 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 you know, sort of, I think immediately in our, in our, uh, in our WhatsApp groups, like the sort of uh, the reactions. I seem to be the only person who was enthusiastically positive, and what it reminded me of was the uh, reaction to the Sonic the Hedgehog trailers, and I was right about that. So, <laughs> were you? <laughs> were you? <laughs> it's quite good. It's fine, and they're mm, doing quite. Uh, that's. Uh, Looks like there was another story came up because that's that's apparently moving on now. So um, I just, I mean, I think this will be better than Sonic the Hedgehog, but you know, I'll be fine if it's on about the level of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go back slash move on to uh, something a little bit more comicsy. Uh, <laughs> that's a good I, pun. I know. I'm, I'm actually nice. going to read this one out for the people who are listening on the podcast. I was very pleased with this. Uh, Charlie's War. That's a, that is a good song. Um, <laughs> so this, where we had the trailer, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, uh, but I think it's an interesting one to talk about. Uh, the trailer for The Old Guard, which is um, actually 
you know, a, a 2020 comic book movie that is going to happen because it's coming out on Netflix, uh, I think in July. So uh, I think we'll we'll have to do a do a bloodshot and, and do a pod on it. Uh, yeah, I think it seems it's probably going to be better than than bloodshot. Uh, but it is uh, the upcoming movie uh, starring Charlize Theron. Hence the, if you didn't know, uh, hence the Charlize War. And Charlie's War is an old British war comic, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> so the best uh, jokes are the ones you have to explain in punishing detail. Yes. Um, so it's it's Gina Prince Bywood's film, uh, based on a comic by. Um, Greg Rooker and Leandro Fernandez. Uh, Leandro Fernandez, I think, best known for working on Punisher Max with Garth Ennis, and Greg Rooker, known for, for being Greg when, Rooker. Um, when did this come out? So this came out, so the first series, so it's 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 a series of miniseries. So the mm -hmm. first block, the first volume, came out in 2017. Okay. Uh, the second volume actually just began at the end of 2019. I'm assuming that with comics being the way they are, it's it's on pause. I think it's only had a couple of issues come out but rooker has said that it's kind of planned to be a three volume thing so kind of three three arcs they're only six this issues is arcs. this uh, has just not been on my radar at all it had completely passed me by until uh it's actually until i was asked to write about it um <laughs> so I, I quickly went and, and i was like oh it's a greg rooker comic that i, I think i had vaguely heard of it but i, Who published I it? uh it's image i think image uh, uh let me just google that let's let's look it up live um but i'm pretty sure because most of rooker's create her own stuff i think it is it is image yeah yeah okay um but yeah it's it's one of those where maybe because it was so short i think it did just just you know it's definitely not had the the level of um recognition that some of his other stuff you know kind of a stump town or even like i would have expected a lazarus movie before this maybe um <laughs> but um being a Greg Rooker comic, uh, it is, of course, um, a comic featuring uh, violence and soldiers and fronted by a strong female character because, you know, that's a that's that's Greg Rooker's stock in trade. Um, it's a really good little series, actually. Um, the premise. Uh, and if you if you haven't watched the trailer, um, go and have a look at the trailer. The, the trailer sells the premise quite well. Uh, it is about effectively a, a team of mercenaries uh, who you discover over the course of the premise being revealed are kind of functionally immortal. Um, so they're sort of they're soldiers, some of whom are like they're, they're kind of differing ages. Some of them are like many centuries old. Some of them are kind of a couple of hundred years old. And you get a new character introduced who basically um, who's fighting in he's an, he's an American soldier fighting in whatever war is going on at the time, um, who basically dies in inverted commas for the first time and basically discovers that she can't die and gets picked up by this team. Um, they've tried to keep their existence secret for years. I mean, you know, the, their existence as a team of mercenaries isn't secret, but, you know, the fact that they're so old. Um, so they're a sort of, they're like the, the world's best mercenaries that get hired going around, uh, you know, to sort of take part in wars and do missions, that kind of thing. Uh, but someone has discovered their existence and is basically trying to hunt them down in order to extract the secret of why they're immortal. Um, they actually themselves, and this is a kind of, I don't think the trailer kind of explains this, but it's something you kind of find out in the series. They don't know why they can't die. And if you're kind of thinking, is a series about soldiers who can't die, is that not just quite boring because there's no real jeopardy? Um, it's not that they can't die so much as they haven't died yet. So, like, they can die, and they've known people who are like them who have died. Um, it's just that you, you never know when, you know, the next explosion or gunshot might actually. So it's not just, I'm going to go into this situation knowing that I'm invulnerable and immortal. It's like, 
I tend to get shot and blown up and usually I come back when I do, but one time it might happen and I won't. So that's sort of, that's where there's a bit more of a, a kind of threat rather than just, oh, they can do anything. Um, but um, the character, the lead character played by Charlize Theron is, is Andy, which is short for um, Andromache of Cydia, um, who, you know, is from uh, hundreds and hundreds of years Cydia. ago. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and is the oldest of them. So uh, yeah, uh, I think you know uh, the trailer kind of shows that it's very much playing on uh, Charlize Theron's um, move towards um, gritty action cinema after uh, Fury Road. Um, what I mean, what as someone coming to this completely cold, I'll say I, I, I kind of watched it and had some observations based on having read the comic and, and knowing the comic a little bit. But what what did you feel going into it completely cold? <laughs> what I felt was. There is nothing more dull to me than the phrase "team of mercenaries." <laughs> like th- this is your premise: you've got immortal beings who have lived throughout history, and the thing they do is pick up some guns and run around shooting stuff. Really? I mean, okay. I think I think it's that uh, there is that element of you know what else can they do, or you know, I think part of it is as well they have all they are all originally soldiers, so that's quite a each each of them is a, is originally a soldier who's fought in a different historical war so the reason why they're still soldiers is cuz that's what they do <laughs> um, famously they... people only ever do one thing forever in comics i think uh, i i prefer this film when it was called highlander <laughs> fair and they um, use swords instead of guns cuz swords are cool <laughs> But you know, as I say, I mean, you know, the comic is it, it's Greg Rooker, so there is, you know, there's there's moral ambiguity and there's there's character twists and there's. I think the key thing is that it 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 kind of it sets itself as being about them kind of asking the question of well, what is there beyond this and sort of and the effect that it's that classic thing of the effect what the effect of being immortal can have on you, particularly when everyone who you've known in your life keeps dying, sort of thing. So. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, as I say, it's a it's it's a decent read. It's one that it was kind of initially. I mean, yeah, for similar reasons to you, I think I probably found it initially a bit difficult to um, to to get into because it was like, oh, here's a bunch of soldiers shooting people, and it's not written by Garth Ennis, so like war comics that aren't by Garth Ennis. Uh, but you know, as as it goes on, as I say, it's kind of got that intrigue to it, and 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 that kind of sure footedness of a of a Rooker series. And looking at the trailer, the trailer looks like it's a very straight adaptation of the the first uh, book you know with some kind of some obvious tweaks to the characters but um certainly what it's about in terms of the people who are after them and that it's about their secret being compromised and stuff it looks like they're pretty straight as a film doing the the first volume so um i think it's as you know I say, I'm, I'll, I'll look forward to doing it when it comes out i think it's absolutely something that we that we should cover and uh... yeah i will i mean I'll be interested. I'm not sure whether to read the comic or watch the film first because I have a feeling that the film will be a dumbed down version of the comic. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think anything in the film will surprise you if you've read the comic. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm getting the the vibes from it that like they have taken a fairly a reasonably interesting premise and made it a slightly more generic version of itself. Mm. That's the vibe yeah. I'm getting off it. But you know, it might be good. I mean, all free to watch, so we'll definitely do it. <laughs> the other thing I will say about the comic, and and especially uh, given the speed with which it it went from new comic series to adaptation, 
it is one of those comics where the comic reads like a treatment for a film. That's, yeah, that's okay, kind of hard to deny. You know, it's a, as I say, it's a good and well-crafted comic. Fernandez is a great artist, but um, yeah, it, like you, you read this going, oh yeah, I can see the film that would come out of this. And now we can see the film that will have come out of this. So yeah. Yeah, uh, Re comment I made earlier about Lazarus. Apparently, uh, according to Stephen, uh, Lazarus is apparently developing Amazon. So that will be Lazarus is a good series. Um, I didn't read the whole thing, but it's one of those where I remember picking up a bunch of image like first and second volumes in a humble bundle, uh, humble bundle, and uh, remember quite enjoying that. So uh, some more of that because, as I say, always always like a, a Greg Rucker series. Uh, mm-hmm. Read your comment about nothing being more boring. John says, "What about the Star Wars Episode One scroll about trade negotiations?" I mean, I mean, I, I find that funny. So, <laughs> not necessarily intentionally funny, but funny. Yeah, the fact that like that—that's how, that's how you're leading. That's how you're bringing back Star Wars. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, we got one more bit of uh, like, well, a little kind of mini roundup of TV related news to go to. So we'll go to that shortly. I am just going to, first, I'm going to pull back a couple of comments about Bill and Ted. Uh, Michael says the last beat of the Bill and Ted trailer was weird. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I, I think that, that was the only bit that I thought was interesting. I was like, <laughs> oh, they have got ideas. I mean, it was, I think you can already see people saying that that thing of them, the, the muscle bound future prison versions, they look a bit silly and over the top, but that, that, kind of screamed out bogus journey to me like bogus journey yeah yeah definitely over the top so i'm i'm fine with that remember uh, station right exactly uh did you ever hear the story about why station um is like says station all the time no and it, and it was because of they wrote a script like direct like a stage direction in the script that said x station as in police station and then that just led to them just going station station all the time and then it ended up making its way into time so okay uh, and jim says i took the trailer not as excited as seb but more so than james so you are you are the cinematic universe centrist jim so, so. <laughs> um before i go to these last stories i will just say uh if we will we'll do these this quick bit of roundup and then if if anyone has any kind of questions or comments to because to, i have a feeling this last bit will be quite quick uh feel free to chuck them in the comments and if they pop up before we get to the end then we'll we'll do a quick answer bit. questions say, about anything James is rolling his eyes. Um, I wasn't rolling my eyes. <laughs> no, I'm just mindful that I just I just committed you to spending slightly longer on the episode. So <laughs> I'm I'm happy to answer comics questions okay. about anything. Yeah, especially well, I, if you have X Men questions. I'm going to have a comics question for you in a minute, actually, when we're talking about ins and outs. So this is ins and outs on uh, on various TV shows. I mean, to be honest, I don't think we have maybe a huge. <laughs> yeah, do we have any ins? Some of these just have outs, right? Uh, no, that no, there is an in. There's a there's an in, there's a very interesting in, and this is the one that I want to ask you a question about. Okay. Uh, so the outs are well. Let's let's deal with the most recent one first because I don't really have much else to say about it. But it, but it, it did get mentioned to us in comments by our friend Stephen. So uh, in the interest of covering it, uh, Hartley Sawyer, who plays uh, Ralph Dibney, aka the Elongated Man on the Flash, uh, has been sacked from the Flash for racist and sexist tweets that have been dug up. Um, so well done to him for for being a big old asshole and getting himself sacked from playing uh, one of the more interesting characters in DC Comics. I mean, I looked this up because obviously I haven't seen The Flash for a long time, and apparently, like Ralph Dibney's been a regular character on the show for like two full seasons now. I was like, oh, did they just introduce him like last season? That's quite interesting. I wonder what they did with him, and he's been around for years already. So, but he's not going to be in the next season. Um, so. Yeah, and part part of me is going, hey, remember when they did this to James Gunn and you didn't agree with it? But 
I don't know. I, think, I don't I know the context of the tweets that were. The context of the tweets themselves are quite different from the James Gunn tweets, so they are yeah. they are more kind. They of... They were not overtly jokes. I mean, they were him joking, but in a sort of. They're 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 kind of. I think they're worse from yeah. Um, they 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 they're not. They don't seem to be kind of. I am I am playing for schlocky shock value kind of thing. They just seem to be more kind of being a dick. Really. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, part of my position is like, if it is worth giving people the chance to change and improve and not punishing them for stuff that happened in the distant past. But also, racism is kind of, it's not like racism wasn't bad 10 years ago, right? So, yeah. however long ago that was happening, probably not okay. Mm. I mean, it was things like, and I think particularly given current sensitivities it was things like remarks about uh, percentages of criminals being of certain races and that kind of thing yeah okay fair enough yeah. uh but another departure uh, and another character that that won't be appearing in the arrowverse again uh is is kate kane batwoman uh because ruby rose has departed after one season of batwoman um and uh it's now being confirmed uh, by showrunner Julie Pleck that uh, is it Pleck or Pletch? I'm not sure. Uh, but that they are they're not going to recast. She initially did just want to recast because she'd already been working on on writing season two. And I, my, my assumption when I saw Ruby Rose was leaving was, oh, they'll just recast. That that is a thing that happens. That's that's not unexpected. Uh, but no, they are they are going to write out uh, Kate Kane and they're going to introduce a new character called Ryan Wilder who is not a name that has anything to do with any existing DC character. Uh, and she is going to be the new Batwoman. She's actually going to be a new character hmm. who will take over as the new Batwoman. So interesting. Um, that is kind of, I mean, Batwoman kind of feels, yeah, kind of a weird sort of um, like, like nothing's ever really gone right since that started. But um you know that is a sort of I, I am I find myself you know in, in as much as I'm you know not very good at dipping into what's going on with the DC shows, but I'm intrigued to see how that's handled. I'm intrigued to see you know are they going to give the character the same costume? Are they going to come up with something completely different? They're going to go down a classic yellow <laughs> Kate Kane from the fifties kind of look, or are they are are they just going to put someone under the mask and wig and and you know it, it, as Batwoman are they going to be effectively and functionally the same? Right. Uh, Depends how many T-shirts they can sell out of it. Because <laughs> uh, that's what's happening here, is they are creating yeah. themselves some new IP. Uh, Kate Kane is going to go missing, just like that universe is Bruce Wayne. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll have to do a Bruce Wayne at some point, won't they? That's... How many Batman TV series, Batman-adjacent TV series oh, have they done where the premise is like Batman is not around for Batman some Batman is not around. You've got Batwoman, you've got Pennyworth, you've got Gotham. Um... Titan. Old Birds of Prey TV series, Titans, yeah. Prey TV series, yeah. They love a not Batman TV series almost as much as they love a Batman movie. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what would be good? A live action Batman TV series. Right. You know, we were talking on our on our, our Patreon minisode about wanting a, like a Batman series or a Batman film rather, where he's more a detective. Yeah, do a Ooh, fucking no. procedural with Batman. Batman, Batman right? Writes itself. People show. love procedurals. <laughs> They're constantly turning. TV shows into procedurals yeah, when they shouldn't be. Fucking Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is a procedural. Snowpiercer has been turned into a procedural. Come on. Yeah. 
they could do that with Snowpiercer. They can do that with Batman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is that's as I say, that's kind of it's. A, I mean, unfortunately, I appreciate, and there'll be people listening and watching who are like much more avid CW fans than we are, who will be uh, going, ah, you should know more about this, and you should be able to talk more authoritatively about this. For which I can only apologise, but. That is an interesting story that's worth remarking on. So, so we have done so. Uh, but uh, yeah, an in. Uh, so there is a, a, a possible in. I, again, I don't know if this is confirmed or if this is rumored. Uh, but Evan Peters is apparently going to be in One Division. So, for obvious reasons, this has had a lot of people going, huh? Because, as you all know, Evan Peters played Quicksilver in the Fox films. Uh, um, while Aaron Taylor Johnson played Quicksilver in the uh, in the MCU films, and now Evan Peters is going to be in the MCU in a TV show about the character of Scarlet Witch. Um, just you know, hearing this news for the first time, James, is your immediate assumption? Oh yeah, he's playing Quicksilver, or is it? No, of course he's not. <laughs> I think, given that they have mentioned in the past that. Wonder Vision is going to tie in some way to Doctor Strange, which is called mm. Multiverse of Madness. Let's not forget, and the Marvel or Disney own all the Fox characters. I think there is a strong possibility he is playing like an alternate universe version of Quicksilver. <laughs> I'm not okay. saying definitely. Well, the I reports, can see it happening. The reports are saying that he probably isn't. Uh, now there is, one, there is a report, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring this up and ask you about it anyway because I want you to talk about the character. Uh, okay. But the report does come from a source who I think is not necessarily the most trustworthy of sources when it comes to these things. Nevertheless, okay. it is being reported by a, a major a, a YouTuber in this field uh, that he is apparently imagine going being to play. on YouTube. Ugh. <laughs> uh, he he is rumored to be playing Mephisto. James, tell us what? about Mephisto. Do I have to? <laughs> yes, you do. So he's a he's a stand-in for Satan in the Marvel <laughs> universe, of which there are many. Um, I mean, he's more of a Ghost Rider villain normally, but he does fit into the magical world. Hmm. So you can definitely see him clashing with the Scarlet Witch. Um, was he not revealed as the in? I might be half remembering this. I have a feeling that in the original version of the storyline where Scarlet Witch and Vision had children, he turned out to be the the reason they were alive. Oh right. Perhaps. I have yeah. Just... He may have been in that in that storyline in some capacity. I'm not sure if he like Bendis uh, retconned it to mean that it was Scarlet Witch's chaos magic that did it. Yeah, because because just looking at this, yeah, definitely he uh, he was actually in the Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries in the mid eighties, yeah. and then he was back in Avengers West Coast when they were in that in the late eighties. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, he's probably... so I think he was associated with that storyline. <laughs> yeah, but um, so that's interesting. Um, but he's probably most well known these days for his part in the most controversial Spider-Man storyline of. Uh... Uh, you say best well known, most well known. Like that that storyline is what, 10, 15 years? How, it must be pretty old now. More than 10 years old now, right? Uh, when was it, Brand, uh, One More Day? Was it 2007, 2008? 2008 like is what I have it in my yeah. head. Yeah. So, um, but you know, but the, I, I think, I think for a lot of people, Mephisto is the magical retcon machine in, in Marvel. 
So I think, but I think that obviously, again, what you were saying about this, the ties between this and Doctor Strange, it a hundred percent makes sense to have Mephisto in in whatever form they do him turn up in something that is both tied to Doctor Strange and mm-hmm. about Scarlet Witch. It's like yeah, exactly, yeah. A, a strong character to, to bridge that. So I, I I would be tempted to believe that rumor. Um, and I, you know, I like Evan Peters. I think that's interesting. I mean, I don't think you're going to get Mephisto as full on red skin Satan kind of. He's more yeah, like he's going to be a bit Netflix, a bit normal, is he? and yeah, but it's going to be a guy in a red suit. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be like um, style. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I if I think if you're going to do Mephisto, you want to do proper like giant oh, red demon oh, Mephisto, cape like yeah, yeah. shirtless. <laughs> I really, I really like his appearance in um, Guardian Devil, that Daredevil storyline that Kevin Smith wrote. The Kevin Smith one, yeah, yeah. Where what is he doing that? I don't, I don't. Know. So Daredevil is trying to figure out if the baby he's been given is actually um, the second coming of Jesus. Oh yeah. And so he takes the kid to Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange is like, "Well, no, he doesn't take the kid. He goes to Doctor Strange and says, is this happening?'" And Doctor Strange says, "Well, I know who I can check with." <laughs> and so they summon Mephisto and ask him. Um, and he tells them the truth, which is interesting. Mm. Well, but, apparently, um, apparently, we've already done an explainer on Mephisto, which I don't remember in the slightest. Stephen said yeah, there was, when he was rumoured to be in The Defenders. There was a rumour that Alexandra, the character played by Sigourney Weaver, was going to be Mephisto. Uh, that turned out to be false. Yeah. Mephisto was, in a way, in the first Ghost Rider film because they had a character called Mephistopheles who was not <laughs> the one from Cats. No. Um I forget who played him, but again, they didn't do the proper Mephisto, uh, Mephisto visuals. He was just a guy in a suit, which is probably what we're going to get this time. But you know, it's another it's another potential piece of one division, which to me, still I think, and you know, and not just for you because of of Cat Dennings, but I think is by far <laughs> the most interesting upcoming piece of MCU that we actually know anything about at the moment. I think. That, I, I mean, I think, all of these TV series seem interesting in some way. They're, so. they're, they're all interesting in their way, but I think if, if I had to put a pin in, like, what it, what is the, of the things that are actually like on, the, rather than you know, kind of rumored future. I was going to say, She Hulk is in. She Hulk is coming, right? So, well, She She Hulk is coming, but we know so little about that. We know yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. of the stuff that we know stuff about. One division is the one where I'm like, you know, at a time, I don't feel particularly. I can't wait for about anything in the MCU at the, at the moment. And that's, I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that in a, you know, I'm not like feverishly anticipating. <laughs> I like, can't wait for them to announce some different films. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for stuff to come along when it comes along with, with yeah, sure. at the moment. But that is the one where when it comes along, I'm going to be most kind of like, okay, what the hell is this going to be yep. all about? So yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we'll so that's yeah, as I say, potentially interesting developments. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, questions and stuff that have come in, and a couple of things that actually I think are, are quite interesting to potentially talk about. So, um, Irkman Twelve asks, um, speaking of HBO Max, as we were with uh, with Snyder Cut earlier, any thoughts about the Green Lantern series planned for it? Please uh, procedural in space, you say? I mean. That makes sense. I mean, but the, the the thing that jumps to my mind immediately, especially if they do actually want to do it, the police procedure in space, far sector. 
Uh, I don't know if you've read any of Far Sector yet, James. Um, no. I've only read a couple of issues of it after people were raving about it. It's really good. Um, it's very. Who's, I mean, it, who's the creator? It throws you in at the at the deep end. So it is uh, the creator is, and I forget the name, so I'm looking it up. Is somebody who is, I think, not from a uh, comics background. Uh, yes, okay. she's a, a sci-fi author. N.K. I don't want to pronounce this wrongly, but N.K. Jim is in. Um, okay. So feel free to correct me on my, on my pronunciation. But yeah, she's she's a sci-fi author, and I think it's her first comic, or at least her first major comic. Uh, but it is basically it's it's about uh, an entirely new um, uh, Green Lantern off in a far sector, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much it's about kind of throwing um, a kind of. Um, the character into an unfamiliar kind of alien environment and kind of how she deals with that. Um, yeah, yeah it's just, sounds it, good. I mean, it's, it's like it, it's it is the kind of thing that again kind of feels primed to be a TV show. Maybe not a cheap TV show because it's completely on an alien planet. On the other hand, it's not about a, a Green Lantern kind of you know it's it's not like the um, the Grant Morrison Liam Sharp Green Lantern series that is so huge and about going to so many different places. It's about her being a cop on this alien planet. I mean. Actually, yeah, there, there you go. There, there's my comment. Thought, thoughts on the HBO Max Green Lantern series? Maybe don't do a cop show right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, and that is the interesting thing with with Green Lantern. I think I think any Green Lantern thing that anyone does at the moment has to potentially tread quite carefully in how much it goes space cop as opposed to other things. Superhero, yeah, yeah. I I kind of feel like. I mean, I know there's only really been that one major attempt, but I think Green Lantern feels fundamentally like something that's never going to stand a chance of actually making it over successfully. Uh, no, no I, think, rocked, but... I think it's a really strong concept. I think the the thing that gets in the way of Green Lantern working is budget. But no, but that's the, I, no. I mean, yeah, I, I don't mean it's a concept that can't be done. I think it's a concept that that DC and Warner's will never get round to successfully doing. Um, I think I think they'll do it. Yeah, Andy says you know the, the Morrison Justice League is is very much. A, uh, I mean, I I don't know if this was in response to the Batman comment or it's or but uh, individual issues where it's a sort of yeah it's you know he is kind of oh well, probably when you said before about cop show in space Morrison said he was going into it treating it like season you know seasons and episodes of a cop show although towards the end of that run it, it did end up getting into a a longer form storyline about the Black Stars that then fed into the the second season that's going on now but. You know, he very much wanted to treat it as an episode by episode cop show, which I think is the way to do Green Lantern. But if you're going to do Green Lantern now, I don't want to see. I definitely don't want to see Hal Jordan. I I don't want to see Carl Rayner. I don't even. I mean, look, if you want to do John Stewart, it's fine. I can fully I can fully get behind the reasons why people would want to see John Stewart and the you know the affection and the uh, the feeling that a lot of people have for that character. I'd rather see them just just lift Far Sector and do that because that's. That's immediately. More I mean, the thing—the thing about Green Lantern, right, is you can you can give the powers and the name to basically anyone. Yeah. So why not do, do that? Especially if Jeff Johns is executive producer on it, they'll just do Hal Jordan. You know they will. <laughs> That's just what they'll do. <laughs> I mean, Grant Morrison has managed to make Hal Jordan mildly interesting in his series only by leaning into 
Hal Jordan is an arrogant dick. Like that's that's the premise of the Morrison and Sharp series, and it's worked okay. quite well. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, no no interest in in Hal Jordan. But there are interesting Green Lanterns who they could potentially do. Um, couple of the other questions. Uh, Louis asks, when are we planning an episode for the recent Hellboy film? I should probably watch it in case it drops <laughs> off Netflix. Oh, don't shame us. Don't shame us into the doing re- that. In Hellboy. fairness, right, the reason we haven't done it is because we need someone familiar with the comics and that yeah. means we need Mike Leader and yeah. Mike is an extremely busy man who has yeah. a young child. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we like, will. We, we promise to do it but, when yeah. Mike is free. I mean, it's not like there aren't other people who know Hellboy, but I feel like you know, like it's completing the set. We have to, we have to get Mike to do that Hellboy film. We yeah. have to. For- I don't even know if he's watched it, but if he hasn't, we have to force him to watch it. If we've <laughs> got to sit through it, he's got to sit through it as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and okay, this is let's let's try and not spend too long on this. But you wanted a comics question. Uh, Michael asks us thoughts on the DC distribution stuff. So. I'm going to attempt to summarise this as concisely as I can for those who don't know what this means. Uh, But basically, for the last, I don't know, however many years, basically, certainly since since comics stopped kind of going out to newsstands, comics distribution, the distribution of comics to comic shops uh, in the US and elsewhere has been handled exclusively by an organisation called Diamond. So Diamond are the company who get all the comics off everybody, Marvel, DC, Image, Boom, Dark Horse, everybody who publishes, you know, kind of major American comics. Um, and Diamond are the people who comic shops order from and Diamond distributes the comic shops. It is a, It has been a monopoly for, I don't even know how many years, kind of... Decades, we're talking at, decades. At least 30, well, at least 20, possibly 30. Years, <laughs> there was know. Marvel, know, Marvel tried to do Marvel it themselves tried, for a they bit. Did. Yeah, yeah. A, that was before the bankruptcy, wasn't it? They Did they try yeah. to... Uh, did they buy Heroes World? Maybe. Yeah. So there yeah. was. Yeah. So there but was. A it's been. Like, yes, yeah, it's been twenty years, I think. Minimum twenty years. Yeah. Uh, where? Yeah. The only way to get comics has been via Diamond. Uh, Diamond um, were basically Diamond themselves were actually more so than I think Marvel and DC were the main reason why comics kind of went on pause uh, during the crisis because when yeah, all the yeah. comic shops kind of had to kind of close close their doors and stuff and they kind of basically it was it was diamond who effectively put a halt on distribution um so during this time dc found some alternate methods of getting comics out which was to partner up with a couple of major comic shops in the us and get those comic shops to basically use their own distribution network to distribute comics and they did this i think i think they've done this for a a couple of weeks or a few weeks before kind of diamond resumed and now, I think later this year it is, I'm hazy on the details because this wasn't a, pre- a prepared question. This is based on what I've read about it before. Uh, but but DC's deal with Diamond was due to be renewed anyway, and DC have now said they're not renewing it, and they are going to be using these distribution partners for the distribution. Well, so part of the issue is that comic shops pay Diamond and Diamond pay the publishers. Yeah. Um, but also because of the the coronavirus like shut down diamond said to comics companies like we're not going to pay off our debts at the rate we previously agreed yeah we're going to be giving you less money and warner being given something like 10 percent of what they were owed just went well fuck you guys then like we'll do it ourselves yeah so in a way diamond like sort of screwed up on this because they mm they thought they could strong arm their position in the industry and it failed 
and it, and it's failed. So they so they. Have I lost... think it's I think it's probably good to get rid of a monopoly, but it, in an already fragile comics industry, it is extremely. I think I think uh, that concerning. Is... There is not going to, you know, DC will look at other distribution methods and, and are using other distribution methods, but uh, there is not going to be another diamond. There will not be another company, especially in the current environment, that sets itself up with the network and infrastructure that Diamond has. And as UK fans, one of the biggest issues is Diamond has a distribution hub in the UK. Uh, I think it was, I think Rich Johnson was, was talking about it and said, it's, I think it's like next to Heathrow or something. Like they actually have a distribution mm-hmm. hub. So comics come into the UK and immediately get distributed. And, you know, it's as recently as kind of the 80s, comics didn't have a proper distribution network in the UK. It was like you, you'd get what you were given kind of thing. You might find them in a news agent, find them in a local shop or whatever. Finally, you know, we started to get a network of comic shops and there started to be proper distribution. Um, I think, you know, there, there is looking like a very real possibility that, that, UK comic shops will either not get DC comics at all or get them at extremely expensive prices because they'll be the shipping will be so expensive because they will they will be having to have individual shipments made by US distributors. So it won't be the case that it's all getting shipped in bulk to the UK and then distributed. Yeah, and that it could mean for the already expensive monthly comic. It could mean your comic your DC comics come in a week later than the others. They, they, I mean, it they... might just be it might just be that Diamond UK keeps doing DC comics separate to the rest of Diamond. Who knows? I mean that would make That's sense. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see that. But I, I would there basically one of two things could happen here. Um either things will kind of go along pretty much as they have before, but with DC using distribution, you might find that the patterns of distribution and even the prices, you know, again, the sort of the cost of a DC comic versus the cost of a Marvel comic might become less standardized than it currently is. Uh, and that's in both the UK and in the US. Or it could be the case, and bear in mind that there's a lot of chat around the idea that, that Warners don't see comics as a particular like monthly comics as a particularly useful um revenue stream and marketing stream the way that i think marvel do you know dc get hammered more in the sales charts but do much better in graphic novels um i think there is a real possibility that monthly comics as we know them from dc might become less and less of a thing we might see much more stuff pushed to digital first like i don't think they won't stop putting the material out but they, but the material might go digitally much more, and then get collected in books. We might find that the the floppy single issue step, they'll probably still get produced, but probably in much smaller numbers, and there'll be be a reality for for fewer of us. That that could be the possibility. And then whether someone like Marvel follows suit, or if Marvel are still finding that it's a, a useful and profitable thing for them. But I think we've all been thinking for quite a while that um, monthly single issue comics, as they stand are just not a sustainable model. They're getting more and more expensive and they're getting less and less value for money compared to other things. And I know that I only tend to buy, like, like I, I've started buying print issues a lot more in the last couple of years because I work around the corner from a comic shop and it's nice to go in and pick things up. And so there's some things where, like, new series have launched and I go, instead of buying that digitally, I'm going to buy it in print to support the shop. And other things, I've picked up random issues because I like the cover because it's like I want to put them in the rack there and, you know, I, I like kind of having them to to look at. But, like, if that went away, I'd feel sad for the comic shop. I'd want to be spending money in the comic shop, but it might be that I spend more on, on trade paperbacks instead because they're better value. 
Um, but that that weekly thing of you know I'm not I'm not going in and buying any Marvel comics weekly from the shop at the moment. Um, that that really might go away for me as a thing if if it does go away for for DC. Yeah, I mean I've been digital for a long, pretty much digital only for a long, long time. Um, and I, I don't think that model will change. I mean, in the UK, we've also had price. That's that's the irony with this is we've had a massive pricing issue with Comicsology recently, uh, where Comicsology prices have gone up. For, I mean, it has rolled back now. Has it rolled back completely? Yeah, yeah. Well, almost completely. I think they're okay. they're maybe ten p more expensive than they used to be. But for a while, yeah. they were yeah, like a quid more expensive. Yeah, I've been getting stuff in print from the shop. I, I literally, I haven't bought any new comics for, for a couple. Of they months. took the they took the VAT off digital right books in the well, UK. That's so that's that was a if we're being forced to digital and digital has gone more expensive than print. That was you know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that I, I don't think that digital model will change. But I think you might find more things released as like shorter ninety nine cent digital installments and that kind of thing. I think you know I don't think yeah. comicsology is going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think Marvel and DC are going to stop producing material for it. But I also think with DC, when you tie this to and again without spending ages going into it, but DC were reportedly supposed to have a big overhaul of their line and their continuity and their stories and their universe called 5G. And uh, that now looks to be being almost entirely, if not entirely, walked back on in the wake of slash linked to the departure of Dan Dadaio as editor-in-chief. And if DC aren't planning any kind of major stuff in their line but are just planning to poodle along with what they're already doing then it does become a question of well where are dc going what are they doing you know you've had you've been doing superman and batman for 80 years what are you actually going to do that's new and different or are you just going to keep turning out the same old stuff for the same 40 50 60 year old readers um i i i i do feel like there are kind of bigger existential questions about where are superhero comics going and it's partly in a practical and distribution sense and partly in a in a story sense, because now again I am at a point where there can be creators that I like on series that I potentially or you know series that potentially I look of or characters that I like, but I'm a bit less inclined to kind of go all in on the yeah I'm going to buy this every month and follow this like a soap opera you know um, because it's an expensive hobby. <laughs> yep. Um, so what we've got from this is. Comics nothing could change or everything could change basically that that is our spectacular insight is this could <laughs> be seismic or it could be a blip um so yeah you know i i don't think superhero comics and superhero stories are going away but you know i do think and you know again mike comments that, that warner have just signed a deal with random house for graphic novel distribution like there's no danger i think of dc not putting books out into uh, bookshops. No, you know, absolutely still, not. Still selling a bajillion copies of Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns every year, you know. Uh, but yeah, it is that model of thirty odd superhero titles coming out a month actually going to sustain or not? We don't know. Will we have anything to talk about in a? In <laughs> to a be year? fair, for basically the entire time I've been reading comics, people have been going single issues will be going <laughs> away soon. So yeah. I myself have predicted that single issues would disappear within five years, probably <laughs> every couple of years for the last two decades. So who knows? Do you still remember what it was like when there was that sudden day in 2011 when DC suddenly went day and date digital and it was like almost entirely out of the blue with the new 52 stuff where they went day and date digital and we were like, 
what does this mean? Digital comics, ah, and then comicsology. I mean, then again, I still remember the days when digital comics was uh, on Marvel's dot comics website, and it was how I read the first few issues of Ultimate Spider Man before I was able to start picking them up in print. Uh, and it was this clickable, like panel by panel thing in a web browser, and it was yeah, like, what they call dot comics, dot comics, dot yeah, comics. Uh, in like 2000, 2001. I used to read them in school on my lunch break. Like, now that, that was the future. <laughs> 20 years later, here we are. Uh, and well, okay, so it feels like 20 years later because I realize, you know, we, we have been on for an hour and 10 minutes now. So, uh, yeah, thank you for everyone who stuck with us and watched and listened. Thanks to everyone who sent in comments and particularly questions. Always good to get a bit of comics chat, uh, especially now that most of our comics chat is combined is confined to the Patreon. Uh, bonus mini episodes uh, if you haven't uh, subscribed and listened yet you can hear us talking about Batman on Patreon to tie into our, our Batman and Robin episode and if you haven't heard our Batman and Robin episode uh, I don't know why you wouldn't have but go and give it a listen because it's really good I think it's I think, you know, one, of our, one of our best episodes for a while so uh, we'll be back with a main episode of the show in the next kind of week or two depends when we record it and then edit it <laughs> depends when we edit it yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The editing does take longer than planning the recording these days, but we'll we'll, we'll get it out. Uh, yeah. So thanks everybody, and I'm sure we'll do another one of these as well um, in in about a month or so because because they work quite well. <laughs> when there's news, we like them. When there's news, there will be news. New mutants. There's going to be a new mutants update the second we come off YouTube. I'm going to press this button, <laughs> now, and then there will be new mutants news. You heard it here. First. Yeah, there will. Uh, yes. Thanks once again, everybody, for watching, listening, whatever. Uh, we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.